Hello and welcome to the Green Machine Podcast, your Irish football news and nostalgia. I'm Dave, your host, and I'm joined by Martin to bring you the latest instalment of the tournament series as we cover the infamous US Cup. Martin, what comes to mind when you think of this rather obscure, as Nick would like to say, competition that's become nicely enshrined in Irish football history? Well, Dave, we've only won two tournaments in our history, and I think why Jack and Mick later on wanted to go to the US Cup was to possibly give us another trophy. And I think our close links with America, the diaspora there, I think it was quite a clever move to go there. On the back of 1990 as well, we we first headed off. Um, so it was, it was a good opportunity for us to as well give the lads a break, uh, get the Irish support behind them over in America. So interesting tournaments that I'm looking forward to covering here this evening. So let's have a look at the 1992 instalment of the US Cup, the first instalment of the US Cup. Uh, Jack had offered the players the opportunity of taking a holiday because, you know, they all had a very long season, all playing at top clubs in England or going on a low-key, as he thought at the time, tour of the United States. Now, the players have played it the previous year in a game and they really enjoyed it, had a nice time. So they said, oh, we'll go back to the States. You know, it's a nice low-key tournament. Everything will be fine. Apparently, everyone would regret that decision uh, dramatically. Afterwards, Jack was under the illusion that the tournament would be nice and relaxed to help put the US team into gear for USA 94. But it actually ended up with Portugal and Italy, with the games being shown, as well as the United States, by the way, with the games being shown around the world, including Ireland. He felt he was misled a little bit, but probably a bit of a money spinner. And uh, it was the first ever US Cup, as we did mention before. And the team actually flew out after the Albania game, uh, which I think was their first game, Martin, wasn't it, of the USA 94 qualifier? It was, yeah. 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 Um, well, yeah, we played it on the 26th of May. So it was interesting, actually, that 92 season. You've got to remember that the, the end of the season, we had two Irish players actually involved in the FA Cup final that year. Ray Houghton for Liverpool against Sunderland. John Byrne was the other player. In the run-up, actually, at the end of April, before that cup final, they played the USA at home. And they won convincingly there, winning 4-1, a very late goal by USA. But they then played in the World Cup qualifier, the first one of that campaign towards USA 94 qualification, where they, they won 2-0. Aldo got a goal, you'll be happy to hear. And Paul McGraw was captain in that match as well. Yeah, going off then, it was an interesting one, getting a decent kind of squad he wanted to kind of bring together for that yeah. tour. Um, some really, really good players in it. And I think we have to remember in 1992, obviously it was at the same time, around around the same time as the Euro 92 tournament, which was the last Euros where they had eight teams basically taking part. So Italy had actually missed out and so had Portugal. Yeah. So for them, they had a hell, one hell of a team, Italy, which we'll come on to focus on. So Jack was probably thinking of it as a holiday rather than anything competitive, whereas actually when they got to play Italy, it was going to be very, very competitive. And um, the USA, obviously, in the first game, gave us a bit of a test in time. Yeah, um, I mean, we'll get to the game shortly, but I, I just, yet again, it's in the diary. It's absolutely hilarious. But Ireland had missed out on Euro 92 as well after going through the group on beating, scoring the most amount of goals, but England took her place last. That uh, That is one that, got away sadly you're 92 so here we are we're in the states very relaxed affair and jack's i thought this was hilarious martin jack <laughs> basically wrote in the diary he you know i'm laying down the law here it's a holiday but his idea of laying down the law was basically don't be pissed and be in your room by half 10 the night before the game 
you know, fair enough. And also, he did mention that on the way over that the players got absolutely hammered on the flight over. But Jack didn't realise because he was, quote, sitting at the front of the plane. Uh, what, what's normally at the front of the plane? What section's that? Uh, yeah, well, first class. First class hospitality. You go left for the, you know, some people don't realise today. You go left. <laughs> I've never been fortunate enough to do that. Um, I not have. Even able, not able to blag my uh, not able to blag the old flights. But no, it was an interesting one. And, and Jack was up there with the Blazers and probably, you know, a bit of very old FII kind of uh, mentality there. You know, they were all on the jolly and as would be seen down the line at Euro, USA 94. Um, very much the way that it was operated then. Um, so, yeah, I mean, football really here on this tour was probably secondary kind of consideration. Juicy free number one. Yeah, I think so. So let's have a look at the games here. So first up was the USA, who tend to do quite well in their home tournaments, funny enough. On the 30th of May, 92, they would beat Ireland 3-1, convincingly. And McCarthy would get the consolation goal there. Actually, Ireland would take the lead. It was a, I think it was a header by Mick. His last goal for Ireland as well, by the way, because um, he would retire very shortly after this. And basically, yeah, Ireland would take the lead in the 51st minute and then the USA in the 54th, 78th and 87th minute would make it 3-1. I remember listening to this game on the radio. I remember coming home from school and we switched it on. This game wasn't on the telly, Martin. I, I don't know what way you had it in England, but it was on RT radio and had to listen to it. And I was shocked. That we we were losing for a start because I didn't lose many games during that time. But actually losing to the states, and I mean, look at the squad that we had as well. Did you get to see any of this or hear any of this? Or I don't remember this much, much at all, to be honest. But I think this is really the start of the you know USA doing quite well in international football or really getting going because you know looking back now, is it, I think they also beat England two 0 which was the first time since the fifties that they'd beat in England. That was hilarious. Um, that that was that. very funny as well. And you know they weren't a powerhouse of football. I know they aren't really now, I suppose either. But um, they, it, it was an interesting game to watch back, like you know, as part of the research for this episode, and and see that Mick was wearing number twelve. It was a headed goal, cracking header actually. Um, and and Ireland did seem in quite con- quite con- good control of the game overall. Terry Phelan, friend of the pod, played. He got stuck in and was very aggressive, and you know they actually con- they we actually conceded a goal, a uh, very sloppy goal from um, that set piece. I mean, fans of the kind of Premier League or early days of of, of the Premier League will maybe f- be familiar with John Harks and Roy Wegley. It was actually Roy Wegley from the you know, America's debut that night, and he was incredible for their for their third goal. But it was a shock ultimately because. You know, United States, they're not a they weren't a big no. name then. And, but it was their home tournament and I think it just showed losing three one. They weren't that bothered. But in if you watch back the footage, which is very grainy and very old, uh now very dated like ourselves. Um speak <laughs> for yourself. Uh, <laughs> it's um it's, it's interesting to see, you know, the lads were quite shocked, I think, and disappointed conceding sloppy goals and yeah, looked hung over to be honest. Oh yeah, completely. I mean Jack would allude to the word he would use a lot was attitude. Attitude equals hungover. And just before we move on to the next game, let's have a just want to go through the squad here. So in goal, you had Jerry Payton, good old Jerry, uh, lovely fella, by the way. Chris Morris, right back. Kevin Moore and Mick McCarthy, centre back. Terry Phelan, left back. You had Paul McGrath in midfield. Steve Staunton, left midfield. Roy Keane, centre midfield. Ray Houghton on the right. Andy Townsend in the centre as well with Roy Keane. 
and you would have had Niall Quinn up front because Jack played because he would actually play this during uh, the Euro 94. Euro 94, the World Cup 94 qualifier, he'd actually play five in midfield, wouldn't he? And he'd actually kind of play that towards the end. So that's a really strong team with Dennis Aaron coming on, Al McLaughlin coming on, even Tommy Coyne making an appearance there as well. And uh, actually, Roy Keane was injured in that game and he would miss the tournament, but be more on him later on. Good old Roy in the US Cup, Martin. Uh, look forward to delving into that a little bit later on. So we'll move on to the next game anyway. That was a complete humiliation, I thought, at the time. And I know Jack was furious. And do read his diary, by the way, the uh, US 94 diary, if you can get it. So next game, 4th of June, 1992. And this game was shown on RT. And I do remember watching. I'm being puzzled by the whole thing. It was only eight at the time. Seven, really. Thinking, what's this about? But we lose 2-0 to Italy, who had knocked us out two years previous at the quarterfinals of the World Cup. Uh, Signori on the 17th minute and Costa Corta. Uh, with a 66-minute penalty. Did you get to see any of this at the time, Mark? Was it, I don't think it was shown in England, was it? No, I don't think it was, no. But looking back at it again, you know, as I said, Italy hadn't qualified for the Euros. A very strong Soviet Union won their group. Um, and then, then they, you're, you're like this, Dave, they actually took part in that Euros as the CIS, which was the I had the jersey. Independent states, you know. I uh, had the jersey. Was that, I suppose that was to... To do with war or something um <laughs> but i i, I could actually war. explain what happened but that would be a whole other <laughs> podcast i'd add about half an hour but i actually had that shirt it was red had the mm. adidas equipment and it had you know the, the shoulder um yeah. but the, the shoulder stripes yeah i had on each side and um my mom didn't know how to wash it properly so it went from being the cis to is to just adidas it's a very, I mean, look, looking back at the Italy squad, though, very strong team. Like, you know, Walters Inger in goal, Baresi was there, Maldini, Viali was on the bench, yep. uh, Mancini up front, uh, Signori. It, it was a savage team, really. And, and you know, they did give us a bit of an education, to be honest. I think they were taking it a lot more seriously than us. Um, Mick was backing as captain for that game, I think. Um, and, um, it was it was an interesting game, wasn't it? You know, Ireland wore, wore all green, and I was looking back at this game earlier and 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 watching it and seeing like why did we wear all green? Because they were wearing their white shirts and blue, and then two years later in Giant Stadium we wore white shorts rather than our with our green shirts, and they wore the same kit again. So God that's just knows. for the kit aficionados there. But it was a weird one wearing all green. I thought, yeah. Um, but yeah, look, it, it was a a strange one. I mean, I know they took the lead decent. Decent goal, to be honest, but the penalty that was the kind of change of the game. Really, Packy Bonner was sent off for it was a, a dive, wasn't it? it well, it was a savage dive, yeah. And also, he was offside, wasn't he? A mile offside, yeah. Um, he's he made a big deal of it, which Jack was really annoyed about. And it, it just seemed to take an age to get off the pitch when you look back at the footage. And Jerry Payton came on after playing in the first game, obviously, he, he had his chance again in the goal, uh, but he wasn't able to save the penalty. Actually, turns out as well, the referee. Uh, Jack Di Aquila, I'm probably butchering that. He was actually of Italian extraction, played two, lost two. And actually, the day after this game, I yet again, this is all in the diary. So if you think I'm making it all up, folks, have a <laughs> listening, have a read of the diary. Uh, but Andy Townsend actually came to Jack and said that, you know, he and the players wanted to prepare properly for the Portugal game, the last game, because, you know, as Jack would say, We've, we've worked so hard for this re reputation being one of the best teams in the world. And they were, by the way. And now we're kind of pissing away because, well, they are literally pissing it away because they're pissed. They're half, you know, they're hammered. 
And basically, Jack says, yeah, okay, fair enough. So they actually prepare properly for the Portugal game. Do you think that had anything to do? Because Mick was the captain, and I think Kevin Moran was the vice captain at the time. Do you really think... I think that this is when Jack... He doesn't mention it. This is when Jack decided that Andy Townsend was going to be... Because he would take over as the captain, wouldn't he? This has to be the moment. It must be, yeah. He's mentioned it in the in the diary as well, uh, which is an excellent read, as you said. And I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's to show Mick, Mick hadn't been playing as much, you know, coming off no. the bench and things like that. And, yeah, I think this was a bit of a change of the guard. I mean, Kevin Moran did go to 94 World Cup, but he was very, very old by then. And... Um, he, yeah, excellent player for us, of course. But, yeah, I think this is it where you're going to have a young leader on the pitch. And Andy Townsend was incredibly highly rated then and a fantastic player for us. Quality so, player. Yeah. Very vocal fantastic. as well. Very yeah. vocal. The, the thing with Mick is, and I love Mick, he was never vocal about things off the pitch. That was his problem. And you can read stuff about that in Frankly Speaking, Frank uh, Stapleton's autobiography, which is hilarious if you did get a chance, Frankly Moaning. But he, he <laughs> says that about Mick. You know, he didn't say anything and he was the captain when they were having the, the fight over the players' pool. You know, so he's very, he wouldn't really rock the boat with these things. So Andy Townsend obviously stepping up and going, listen, this isn't good enough. We need to do something about it. And that brings us to the next game, which was on the 7th of June, where Ireland would beat Portugal 2-0. Steve Staunton with a direct corner and Tommy Coyne on the 89th minute making a 2-0. But Ireland battered Portugal in this one. They were really all over them but could only score two goals. But Jack was happy enough with it. But he did say afterwards that he wouldn't go back to the US Cup, and he wouldn't. He would go to the World Cup two years later, but uh, not to the US Cup. The USA would win the tournament. Italy came second. Arna with third, and Portugal would finish last. So, after all that, Arna were invited back to the 1996 US Cup. Uh, Ireland basically missing out on the Euro 96 competition that summer due to, well, getting their ass handed to them by Holland in Anfield in December 95, 2-0. New manager, new direction, new player, well, (laughs) a bit of a weird mix. So anyway, uh, Mick did try to bring a young and experimental side to the US Cup because he had to get ready for the France 98 qualifiers, which would start in uh, September, I think it was Liechtenstein was the first game back. Now, he wanted to build a team around a particular young Corkman at the time, Mr. Roy Keane, and he wanted to make him captain for the tour. So Andy Townsend, the team captain at the time, was going to stay home with the, the older players. I think Alan Carnahan actually ended up coming on this tour for his first last uh, appearance at Green. But he wanted Roy Keane to come, which he'd sage a... Hold on. You're just dying to get involved in this, which is a sage move, I would say, for uh, a young manager. However, it didn't quite work out that way, did it, Martin? No, it didn't. But I think it was a very clever move from him on on the back of a man of the match performance in the FA Cup final. I know people will say that it was Cantona got the winning goal against Liverpool. But if you look back at the performance of Roy Keane in that final, he was absolutely immense. And a lot of people who, who would say Keane was brilliant in that match. And that was a match as well. On the 11th of May, that was littered with Irish players as well. You had Phil Babb, McAteer taking part as well, Dennis Irwin, of course. So those lads were all probably looking forward to going off on this USA Cup trip mm-hmm. um, a few weeks later. And and I think it was a very shrewd move of Mick probably trying to kind of reconcile a little bit with Roy because Roy is the biggest name in football now, let's be honest. Yeah. In Irish football, certainly. And and to make him captain and 
give him that leadership opportunity, um, especially on the back of he he had had injury problems. He had missed a lot of the qualifiers of your 96, sadly, as well. But I think it was kind of kind of reconciliation, as I said, and, and an opportunity to kind of put that aside. We And also, people probably want to what reconciliation. Well, we, we kind of skipped over a little bit because we left it for this part. But at the end of the US Cup 92, Roy was out injured. And obviously, Mick was coming to the end of his career. But him and Steve Staunton got absolutely rad-arsed the night before and showed up late for the bus. And anyway, all the senior players were sitting there waiting for these two lads to show up. And when he eventually did, Mick laid into the two players. And Roy took exception, didn't he? What was it you said to him, your first trip away with the lads? Disgrace. And Roy said to him, to Mick, he goes, first touch, disgrace. Yeah, something like that, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Call yourself a professional, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lots uh, of different kind of hearsay ever since, but that was where it kind of probably started between Mick and, and Roy. And obviously, we know yeah. how that kind of developed so, in time. So, anyway, let's have a look at some dates here, Martin. We'll, we'll, we'll do it this way a nice, concise uh, time frame of Roy acting the bollocks here. Uh, 23rd of May, 1996, Roy Kimei, captain for the US Tour. An honour, you would think, Martin. An honour to be captain of your country. There had been doubts over Keane's dedication to Ireland, having only played three out of Ireland's 11 Euro 96 qualifying games. However, three days later, on the 26th of May, 1996, Roy Keane, your hero, Martin, goes AWOL <laughs> and does not show for a mixed testimonial. A 3-0 win over Celtic, a Celtic 11. Keane is then banned by the FAI and stripped of the captaincy. But wait, there's more. On the 29th of May, three days later, Roy Keane gives a statement during Ireland's 1-0 loss to Portugal, explaining his absence. Mick only becomes aware of it in the post-match press conference as it's read to him. Roy has admitted, yeah, he didn't really want to go in it and he probably should have done better to, uh, to tell Mick about this. I understand, and even you as a Roy Keane diehard, I understand that on one hand, yes, uh, Mick wanted to build a team around Roy Keane because Andy Townsend probably had one campaign left, which he did. But I also understand that, you know, Roy had a hard season and he's a, at that time he was bo- he was a box-to-box midfielder at that time, wasn't he? And subsequently yeah. would become a defensive midfielder, but he's still box-to-box. So he probably did need to rest and probably didn't want to go on a turn on a on a a tour that was essentially a piss of four years previous. So I do get all that, and I understand that. But surely to God, there's a better way to communicate that or actually communicate that to your manager and not just simply go AWOL. Which is what he did. Yeah, I think, look, this is... I'm not going to defend Roy with the communication here because I think that is is it. He probably knew, he'd probably gone to his head a little bit. He's not the first and he won't be the last Irish player where it's gone to his head. But, you know, he was the biggest profile player in the squad. Yeah. Given the captaincy as an opportunity to kind of give him that leadership responsibility, but he's obviously just thrown it back at mix in Mick's face, and it's a shame, really, because Roy was approaching his peak years here, and a year later he's going to be injured, he's going to miss out for a year. So you know he didn't go too much longer for he, where he got that terrible injury where he was out for a whole campaign, and it it was obviously a massive cost to Man United, but also to Ireland's opportunities of of qualifying in '98 as well. So. Um, he 
it, it doesn't sit well with me how he how he behaved then, but I just no. think he was probably too big for his boots and thought Ireland didn't need me more than I need them. You know, he's at his peak years of Man United. I, I, he has a point. I, I get that. But the way he went about it is completely, absolutely piss poor. My God, we need to have to make sure when when I record this and uh, save it, have to fucking put it in a safe. Jesus, Martin, you've actually criticised Roya. I best actually keep this under uh, lock and key here. That's a rarity anyway. So let's have a look at it. Ireland this time would obviously be uh, drawn with the USA, Mexico and Bolivia. And first up would be the home team again, and that would be the United States. Ireland would take the lead with a lovely goal by David Conley. And unfortunately, that wouldn't last very long, where Ramos would score one minute later with Claudia Reina getting the winner on the 76th minute. I remember this highlight package being shown. It was during the Euro 96. I was watching it with my uncle, Willie, who was born in Cork, but become a US citizen. And we were kind of having a bit of a rivalry. And he was cheering on the US, actually. Treacherous bastard. Um, I, was this, this wasn't shown in England either, was it? No, it wasn't that. No, no. This was a glad we got glad we got you yeah. on board for this, Martin. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, you know, I do remember it now and looking back on it because I know there was a lot of hype, wasn't there, of of, um, of David Connolly at the time, uh, yeah, young player coming so. through for Ireland. And you know, it is a fantastic goal, actually, the one he gets against the US and a brilliant reverse pass from Liam O'Brien, another mm. former Man United player, a bit of a legend. Met him a few summers ago, really nice guy. Um, he, uh, you know, it, it, it was a really good enterprise in young Irish team here. This was Mick really setting out his stall and giving people opportunities to get into his squad, basically. I mean, you can even see the influence that Mark Kennedy had on, on this. A very young Irish team here attacking, uh, kind of fearless in a way. And all of them seem to be taking their opportunity in, in Mick's squad. You've got to remember, it's a very fledging squad that he had here, um, setting out his stall for the qualification campaign for 98. Definitely giving all them all a chance, and that that again brings it back to why Roy Keane wasn't there because he was going to be seen by Mick as you are a young lad yourself. You could be leading these lads into war, basically. Um, and you know we did have the experience as well, but you know I, I, looking back, I think we actually did very very well in some of the games, and we were we were very attacking and a real threat. Yeah, well, don't, don't give it all away. We're going to go through the games. <laughs> Uh, next up on the 12th of June, 96, yet again, not shown an RT highlight package. I remember watching this at the time. This was mental. Uh, Mexico 2, the Republic of Ireland 2. Uh, this was an absolute bloodbath. <laughs> this. Um, Liam Day sent off. Noel Quinn sent off from the bench. Mick McCarthy sent off from the bench, having stuff thrown at him. Uh, Packy Bonner's last game. Ireland were actually 2-1 uh, up at this stage, but then... Luis Garcia, not that one, not the one who drinks sangria for Liverpool, but the the fecker that got uh, the goal against Ireland in uh, two years previous, actually, USA 94. And this was just, this was absolute carnage, wasn't it? The referee was a complete bastard and was actually demoted after the game as well. But it's out there on YouTube. And I, Martin, you had a look at it today. I strongly recommend anyone to look at it. This is crazy. It was unbelievable watching this. I mean, the referee is just it's all about him, basically. And, and he's so theatrical, showing the cards and everything. He couldn't wait to get them out of his pocket. And, um, you know, it was it, it's actually quite an entertaining game. Again, a fantastic goal from Connolly. 
I mean, he really was on fire for this tournament and it was assisted by Kennedy. Ian Hart played as well in this. Very young team, as I've said. But, you know, Liam Dash, he, he got a second yellow, it seems, for, for time-wasting. <sighs> it's actually the reaction of Vanar Quinn is all because of the Mexican lad runs over and reminds, shows the ref as his second yellow card. Yeah. So, Nile runs past... <laughs> Daesh goes on, starts like remonstrating with the the guy who's reminded the referee that it's two bookings. Mick's pulling him off, and uh, and it's <laughs> <"Ooh>, uh. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, you are. But um, yeah, um, yeah. Mick, Mick's Mick's roared off the bench, and then Mick's trying to. Everyone's losing the plot basically, but Mick's turning Brilliant. around to the bench, telling all the lads off, and saying, "Look, look let it just be me. Let it just be me." And then he ends up getting sent off. Um, you know, it what it, it just shows. I think it was a very like I, I can't emphasize enough. It was such a young team. You know, they were under a lot of pressure. I know they conceded late on as well. It was a, a poor goal to concede, but you know, it just was the calmness when you're being robbed by the referee. And even Connolly gets booked. He actually misses the last game because he kicks the ball away very petulantly. So it just was probably a learning curve for them. And I think you know something yeah. that every international team has to go through. Yeah. Several red cards. Um, that takes us on to the last game of the tournament, which was uh, Bolivia. A 3-0 win for Ireland against Bolivia. Keith O'Neill with a brace and Ian Hart uh, with a goal right on the half-time, actually. 3-0 up in the first half. Um, very important, this game. Martin, can you remember why this game's so important? Is this Mick's first win? Yep, uh, his first win, and it took eight games, which was a massive relief for uh, the manager and for the fans, I could tell you that. I'll never forget that. Uh, so the tournament finished up with Mexico winning, Ireland finishing second. It's a bit better. USA third for once, and Bolivia in fourth. Um, really funny, actually, because Mick vowed not to go back, but unfortunately, uh, Ireland had failed to qualify for Euro 2000. So he had to go back because there was no... There would be no tournament football for his very young Irish side. We won't talk about Euro 2000 because that's still a sore point. So a couple of notes here on the US Cup 2000. RT opted not to show the tournament due to late night kickoffs. So Sky Sports showed it instead. I didn't get to see any of this because we didn't have Sky Sports. Uh, <laughs> did, did you get to watch it? Did you see the, Did you get to see this one? You had, I'm sure you had Sky Sports. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I watched highlights probably of this. Some of the live stuff I probably did as well. And for once, uh, Roy Keane actually rang me to tell him that he wanted to go to the US Cup, but he got injured. So that was a lovely gesture by Roy, but unfortunately didn't happen. Right, we'll get on to the games. 4th of June was the first one, and it was against Mexico. Uh, Mick did right. He went for a 4-3-3. This is actually in his World Cup diary. He went 4-4-3, 4-3-3, not 4-4-3. Um, but after going 2 0 down, he went back to 4 4 2. So, Richard Dunn and Dominic Foley with the goals there for Ireland. Um, next up was a 1 1 draw with the United States. Foley again, he was on fire for this one with the opener for Ireland on the 31st minute and Razoff with an equalizer in 68 minutes. However, Martin, I didn't get to see this game live at the time. I remember reading about it. But Ireland were robbed, really, uh, with this, weren't they? That goal, having watched it back, was a mile offside. Oh, yeah, an absolute mile offside. Absolutely robbed, like you said. But, I mean, you know, it, it, it was an interesting kind of tournament, this one. But, again, Mick's team is really evolving here. Still got the experience of Niall Quinn. Dean Kiley's in the squad. Alan Kelly's there as well. 
Um, really was, though, you know, given opportunities to Richard Dunn, who was, you know, going to be a brilliant player for us in the future. And, you know, still got Kennedy involved, Matt Hollands on the tour. It, it was a really hungry young team who were going to go on in a few years' time. And in that next qualifying campaign, basically, to go on and do great things for Ireland to qualify for the World Cup. Spoiler alert. Um, but yeah, you know, um, it, 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 we were robbed unbelievably of that. And and they were, they're, they're playing against decent players as well. You know, that, that was it. And yeah, I think it was a good taste of for, for what was to come. Yep. And unfortunately, with as Martin said, and that takes us to the final game, the 11th of June, where Ireland would beat South Africa 2-1. Steve McPhail and Niall Quinn with the goals there for Ireland. Benny McCarthy for the goal with the goal there for South Africa. Niall Quinn actually equaling the record of 20 goals. That was Frank Stapleton's record, which lasted for 10 years, actually. Frank Stapleton broke Don Gibbons' record in a friendly against Malta, a, a World Cup Italian 90 uh, warm-up game. Bit of, bit of knowledge for you there, Martin. You know what I mean? Yeah carrying this podcast <laughs> um so unfortunately ireland yet again would leave empty-handed would finish second this time behind the usa because ireland were robbed of a winner mexico finishing third and south africa with the wooden spoon in fourth i think this is quite beneficial because have ireland having gone through the tournament undefeated martin this really did set make up nicely didn't it for the for the first game of the world cup qualifiers which was against Holland in Amsterdam, a 2-2 draw. So it was a decent L start, wasn't it, compared to football? Yeah, definitely. You know, going through a, a, an end-of-season tour where, you know, a lot of the lads normally don't want to be there, but this was preparation for our World Cup qualification yeah. campaign. And it did set us up rightly. Um, as I said, he, he gave opportunities to lots of the young lads. You know, Roy wasn't there, but we were hoping that Roy would be back to help and, and lead us to the World Cup, hopefully. Um, <laughs> get that in there. Um, but, but, well, you know, he, it, did, he did lead us there, Matt. Matt. What happened? What happened after that? Yeah, we don't need to worry about that yet. We yeah. don't want to be a spoiler. But, um, yeah, it, it was good. It, like I said, a good mix of, of a squad. Trusting people gave plenty of time to goalkeepers and everything and, and, and experimented. Lots of the young lads had opportunities and stuff. So, and, and all did really, really well. And, you know, Dominic Foley... You know, it's even surprised to me looking back, seeing how how influential he was on this tour. And you know, later on in in our Irish history, obviously we've gone on tours again to America. Understand? Maybe not as the US, under the US US Cup guys, but um, you know, we did go over there a few times and have played there. And um, it, it's always a good good trip. It's good for the Irish fans to who are over there to see Ireland play. You know, you're, you're talking, looking at the attendances of these games, like 25,000, 30,000. The FAI are going to obviously getting money from it as well, you would think, from the tours. So they've probably not got the high profile of being mobbed everywhere they go, in a sense. The lads are able to let their hairs down. We've heard some fantastic stories, obviously, in different diaries and uh, exploits of the team that's, that, you know, they do enjoy going to America because they get such a good welcome. And, you know, I think under Jack, ultimately, we took it to extremes the first time. But I think we learned to use it the right way eventually for to help us kind of get together get a group together working on things yeah. on the training pitch to qualify no absolutely man listen we're gonna leave it there uh be sure to subscribe to our youtube channel wherever you get your podcasts and to follow us on twitter instagram and facebook which is all in our bio thank you so much for supporting the podcast and we'll see you next week Irish, 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 Irish.